Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. It's a pleasure to share today's message with you. I know we've been talking lately about Christmas and New Year's, but I want to just move into something else that might be even more exciting, at least for some of us, back to school. Yay. I remember growing up thinking, oh my goodness, I'm so looking forward to Christmas break, and then Christmas break would come, and quite often it would just drag on and on and on, because I actually like going to school. So here's the big question. Are we ready to go back to school? It's a new year, time to learn new things, and I'm hoping the answer is yes, because I'm planning a six-week talk series about renewing our commitment to unity fundamentals. So that's what we're going to do. But I thought, first and foremost, we need a little pep talk to get excited about going back to school. And I thought, who better than to give us a pep talk than award-winning educator, Dr. Roger Tomhabe. So, Roger, what would you have us know as we get ready for second semester? All right. So, for over 40 years in education, as a middle school and high school art teacher, and then as the art supervisor for Fairfax County Public Schools, and then as the fine arts coordinator. And then for 10 years, my last 10 years as a professor at James Madison University, what students wanted to know and what teachers wanted to know at the beginning of a new semester was, what are we doing? What are we going to do this semester? And, and I would want them to know that too. They'd want to see the syllabus or the outline for the course, or they'd want to see some of the projects that they'd be working on and all of that. And I'd want them to know that too on day two. On day one, what I wanted to do was some kind of activity to know that we were all manifesting together, a vision for what was going to be taking place. And I want to go back to the middle schoolers who had come to me with no elementary art experience because there was no elementary art teacher where I taught on the White Earth Indian Reservation in northwestern Minnesota. And so I would say at the beginning of the class, how many of you here know how to draw? How many of you at home have your hands way up high now, right at this moment? I know how to draw. Well, coming into my class as seventh graders, it was like maybe two would do something like this above the table where you could barely see their hand that they knew how to draw. And I wanted to do a kind of an attitude adjustment about that. I wanted them to feel confident and comfortable that they had the toolkit that they needed. And all they needed to have was the attitude adjustment that they could do it. So what I would do is I would start out by having them do a drawing with me. I said, this is a drawing test <laughs> to see where you're at. Well, what I would have them do, though, is I would have them draw horizontal lines and then a dotted middle line. And, uh, and then I would say, well, what does that look like? And they'd say, highway. And I'd say, oh, no. Uh, and they'd say, no, well, there's hills in the background and there's houses. And no, what I'd like you to do is use those lines in your best penmanship. I'd like you to make all capital letters for the beginning of your first and last name and small case letters, and they must touch the top and the bottom of the line and small case letters to the middle line. 
I would actually go through the exercise of having them print their name, except for I wanted them to carefully print their name, first name as light as they could make the pencil go, last name as dark as they could make the pencil go without breaking the lead. And as they were very successfully doing that, every one of them were successfully doing that, I'd walk around the room and I'd congratulate them and praise them for, for successfully printing their name very carefully. And, but then at, as they were nearing the end, I would say, but I'm confused, I don't understand. Why, why is it that you told me you couldn't draw? And they would say, well, this is not drawing. And, and this is not the same thing. And I said, well, every line that you've used to make the capital letters, the verticals, and the round parts of the letters, or a circle for an O, or a tail on a letter, every time you did that, you were using every line that an artist uses. And not only that, but you could make your pencil go with pressure, light, dark, however you needed it to go. Your hand-to-eye coordination, your toolkit is absolutely ready. And so, why is it that you tell me that you can't draw? Well, what they would say is, I don't, I've never done it. I've, well, okay, how many times in your life do you think you've printed your name like that? Hundreds of times, thousands of times. So what it takes is what you have. It takes the toolkit that you have and then it takes the belief that you can do it, and it also takes practice, practice. So here we are, ready to manifest a new semester, and we're ready. I'm here. I'm your guide. I'm your art teacher. I can show you how to have a new perspective, how to take that information out in the world and make it with all of your toolkit of the lines that you know how to make, make that representation of three-dimensional space on the flat surface. Here we go. Wow, amen. Amen. And that's the secret to manifestation and demonstration, is the realization you already have everything you need in your toolkit already to bring your goals and visions into manifestation, whether that's art that you never thought you could do, the job you never thought you could have, the financial resources that seemed out of reach, the vibrant health that just seemed beyond expectation. Everything is already here and available. We have to have the vision and we have to have the encouragement to see it and know it and we have to have the belief that we can do it. This simple exercise that Roger shared highlights the absolute principle of demonstration, highlights how we can use our spiritual tools to create not just art, but to make art of our lives. And that's why I've decided to use as a guide for our six-week series a little book entitled Masterclass Lessons, written by Unity Minister uh, Will. Ernest Wilson, in 1935, and you might be thinking, good gracious, why is he using such old material? Because it's solid. It's like writing your name as the beginning of creating the life that you want to live. So we'll explore a variety of different topics in this material. And one of the great things about Reverend Ernest Wilson that uh, is relevant to us today is he was a very close and dear friend of Betty White's. 
and you all know Betty White made her transition on New Year's Eve, just shy of her 100th birthday, and she was mentioned in his obituary when he passed in 1982. So we're going to cover a lot of really rich lessons, but I said earlier that we're going to start with prayer. Prayer is a wonderful tool that we have that we can use in many ways. It connects us with the divine. It connects us with the power within. It connects us with all people, and it connects us with an understanding that each and every one of us is, in fact, an individualized expression of the creative magnificence of the universe. So we want to use those prayerful words to remind ourselves of that, to remind ourselves that we are the artists of our lives. So I invite you to recite with me this affirmation that begins the chapter on prayer in our material for this week. And it goes, God in the midst of me is mighty. God guides and governs the thoughts of my mind the feelings of my heart, and the acts of my life to establish joy, health, and bounty in my life and in the world. In my life and in the world. Because each one of us is indeed a co-creator of not just our life, but the life that we share in common. So if you want to follow along in the material, and I encourage you to do so, let's go back to the first slide. I invite you to go to the website truthunity.net. You can download the material. It's for free. This is a best, one of the best resources on Unity material available globally since it's online. And we at Unity of Fairfax make a monthly tithe to truthunity.net. So all you have to do is go to the, the screen you see at truthunity.net and type in Masterclass Lessons. I got a little bit ahead of myself. I'm so excited about this material. So one of the things that Ernest Wilson says in this material is that the secret to effective prayer is belief. It's kind of like art, like Roger shared. The, effective, the secret of effective prayer is belief. When we pray, we get not necessarily what we ask for, but what we expect. Not what we ask for, but what we expect. And I thought about that word expect, and I love language, and I love the Latin language in particular. So I, I looked up the derivation of the word, and the root out of which it comes is the Latin verb spectare, meaning to look at, or to look for, or to wait. Wilson says in the material, if we ex pray for some good thing expecting its realization to be delayed, it will be. If we pray for $1,000 expecting only 100 we shall get 100 If we pray expecting a more satisfying answer than we can foresee, that too will be realized. And that is an important key for us to remember in demonstrating the life we desire to lead. That maybe we can't see as much as is available. It's like waking up on a foggy day. There's more of the world available than what we can see, but it is there. Now, some of you might be saying to yourselves, well, I don't know about all that prayer stuff, and I don't know. This kind of seems like bunk to me. Well, quite possibly, we don't necessarily have, have developed the skill to receive something we've never seen before. And I don't say that to cast shame or blame, because I've been there myself. You know, we haven't now always necessarily developed our faculty of imagination 
to the point that we can imagine things we can't see. Oh, sure, a lot of people have artists, dreamers, visionaries, IT people in particular. But it's kind of like looking at a picture of the Grand Canyon and then actually going there, and you realize the picture cannot do it justice. I could not have imagined what I'm seeing. See, when we have those experiences, they let us know that maybe there's more available to us than we can see. Wilson says, how can we believe that we can have something that is not apparent? The law of possession, he says, is the law of vision. You may have many blessings that you don't already perceive. You do not really possess them until your vision is quickened to see what you have. This is one of the reasons why we always encourage everybody to do exercises around gratitude. What are you grateful for? And I've been surprised at how many people say, I'm not grateful for anything. And I said, you don't have anything to be grateful for? And like, no. And I said, you don't have running water in your house or clean air to breathe or, or food on your table? Oh, well, I have all that stuff. And I said, well, start being grateful for that. And you might see what else you have to be grateful for. And what else? There's a wonderful story in the Hebrew Scriptures in 2 Kings called the widow's oil that demonstrates this perspective. And it goes like this. Now the wife of a member of the company of prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant served the Lord, but a creditor has come to take my two children as slaves. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she answered, your servant has nothing in the house. Oh, see, there we go. Except for a jar of oil. And he said, now go outside and borrow vessels from all of your neighbors. Empty the vessels and not just a few. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your children and start pouring oil into all these vessels. And when each is full, set it aside. So they left him and shut the door behind him, her and her children. They kept bringing vessels to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another. But he said to her, There are no more. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came out and told the man of God, and he said, Now go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your children can live on the rest. She had to have the capacity to see that there was something else there. So what did she have? Trust. What did she see? Possibilities. And what did she do? She took action. She borrowed vessels and filled them. Not unlike the exact same one, two, three process Miss Wolf shared with the Unity Animal School during our children's lessons. Wilson says, vision calls forth abundance. And vision is a form of imagination. Or as we might say, using the Eastern term, opening the third eye. It's kind of like that show on television, Shark Tank. I, I love that show, in which investors come and they share ideas with the sharks trying to get some collateral. And every contestant who has come on that show has a keen sense of vision. They saw a need or desire and find, found a way to fill it. They trusted their capacity to manifest. And not just a few have made millions in the process. Wilson goes on to say, the genius of vision is to see the possibilities of the present moment, the present environment, and the things within our grasp. This is so entrepreneurial. 
This is a way of looking at the world and seeing the facts of the day and saying, how can I leverage these facts for some good turn? How can we be like those contestants on the Shark Tank or like the widow? You know, how can we look at the facts and experiences of the pandemic and leverage them for good? You know, I've seen a lot of people realize the under and come to understand we are all connected. <laughs> this message of oneness has really been driven home. Everything is connected to everyone. How can we use that for the betterment of all? We've been doing that here at Unity and throughout all faith communities as we've leveraged technologies to share our messages wide and broad. We may not have liked the precipitating circumstance, and trust me, we have not liked the precipitating circumstance, but we've decided, what if this is not against us? What is there is a possibility for good? You know, it's kind of like that story of the two shoes salesmen who were sent out to a far country to, to grow some market share. And they went to this far country and they discovered, oh my gosh, the people here don't even wear shoes. Well, the first salesman called the home office and said, hey, look at boss, I am so sorry. This has been a wasted trip. There ain't nothing going to come out of this. I'm on my way back. The second salesman called his boss and said, you will not believe how much money we're about to make. It's all in your perspective. It's all in the vision. It's what are you willing to see? You know, in the Sermon of the Mount recorded in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, there's a little short section there. And Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So what is he saying here? What is all this about? It's about that practice of looking for the good. Reverend Sherry talked about that in the opening. Facts may not be exactly what we want them to be, but goodness is still there. And it's not just with, with the pandemic or with money. It's with all areas of our lives, our health, our relationship, our career, our creative self-expression. And what is this good that we're looking for? What is this light? It is simply putting our attention on the divine, on God. You know, Wilson says that many times our problems are simply a matter of mistaken vision. Greater vision is more nearly true to spirit, will correct and dissolve a great many difficulties. You know, sometimes when we turn trustingly to God for guidance and vision, the light that fills our body or material world reveals to us clearly that we should change our methods of thought or speech or action or perhaps all three. That's how we're going to manifest our New Year's revolutions, as one of the kids said in the animal school. That's how we're going to create life abundantly as we choose it to be. Oh, yeah, all you got to do is just make a change. But that's the catch, isn't it? We sometimes call the catch the ego or arrogance or ignorance sometimes. It's that very human tendency to think to ourselves, oh, yeah, I see everything there is to see. I know all there is to see. I got all the facts of the situation. Therefore, my judgment is accurate and right, and that's the only way it can be, because I've decreed it so. And that's how I know what to expect, and that's how I know it's what's possible. But how many times has it been revealed to us that we didn't know all the facts, that there was information we didn't have, that the explanations for why things are were very different than what we had assumed? 
And how many times has any of that gotten us into a lot of trouble, caused a lot of friction, wasted a lot of energy? You see, in this lesson on prayer, we're being reminded that we have to be humble. Oh, who wants that? You know, we're taught in this very culture, you know, we're supposed to be strong and know everything and blah, 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 blah. And that way we'll win all the grand prizes. But the reality is when we're humble, when we're willing to be aware of the fact, maybe I don't know anything. Maybe there's something else here than I, I see. That's where we connect with the divine. That's where we open the door and let more light in and consequently let more light out. Prayer keeps us in that flow of light and potential and possibility. Wilson writes, your prayer should not be a wish, but a conviction. And how far does your prayer extend? To your dreams, to your thoughts, to your affirmations? Or through all of these, to the very core of your being? Become a thinking, feeling, breathing acting prayer of faith in your prayer will be a fulfillment, will find fulfillment through all the channels that you open to it by your consciousness of prayer. Are you willing to admit you don't know everything about the world or even about yourself? Because we're always learning, aren't we? So here's the question. What vision are you holding for yourself for this year? or for the world. You know, it's very interesting to me sometimes when I'm in a counseling or a coaching or a mentoring situation, and people will share with me, this is what's going on, this is the issue, this is the challenge of the day, and I usually ask, so what's your prayer work around that? Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> and more than once, I've heard people say, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. I said, yeah. So let's think about it. Let's stay open to what good could be made manifest to the situation. So let's get back to where we started. It's important to always explore the question, what do I expect? Is the expectation that what is truly, is the expectation what is truly desired? I mean, are you really expecting, as the opening prayer was, joy and health and bounty? Are you willing to trust in God for this, for this demonstration to open your eyes so that you might see it? Or are you pretty committed to the fact, you know all the facts, you know how it's going to be, world without end, amen. Are you always going to keep doing what you've always do gotten and more than likely always get what you've always got? You see, because if you really want to have an incredible new year, if you really want 2022 to create a new you, then I invite you to stay open. To open your eyes and open the eyes of your heart. And affirm with me once again our opening prayer from this message, from this talk. God in the midst of me is mighty. God guides and governs the thoughts of my mind, the feelings of my heart, the acts of my life to establish joy, health, and bounty in my life and in the world. So let's renew in 22. 
Let's allow this power to move through us. Let's change our expectation from what we can see and raise it to what we believe. Peace be with you. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.